You are listening to the Rest, Roots, and Renewal podcast, which is a production of the Oaks Community Church in Middletown, Ohio. For more information, visit us at www.theoakscommunitychurch.org. You can also email us at info at theoakscommunitychurch.org. Okay, so here we are, week two, into our Proverbs series. Last week was kind of an overview of the whole book, but here we are in week two, and we're beginning to nuance the application of wisdom in all facets of life. And so this week, we're calling this Recovering Our Humanity in Words. So the series, right, Proverbs, is Recovering Our Humanity, and this week it's in Words. Proverbs has a lot to say about words, and all of yeah, it is, and too many of them. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I, mostly, which I'm un- uncomfortably familiar with. Yeah. So this week, uh, f- you know, we're going to be in Proverbs twelve seventeen through twenty five, and we're going to actually be in more texts than that. But that'll be our main, you know, scripture reading for the week. So I'll just go ahead and read that now. And then we can dive in on our discussion. So, Proverbs 12, 17 through 25 says this, Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil but those who plan peace have joy. No ills befall the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Mm. So you're up this week, Eric. Mm -hmm. Curious as we kind of, as I got up this morning, I was reading some of these and I was curious for you, what, what excites you? I know for me, I was kind of floored by last week. I was a bit reticent of like, Oh boy, how do I even begin to unpack this and be concise about, the book of Proverbs, but for you this week, you get to be a little bit more granular. So I'm curious what excites you about at least the ones that you've kind of focused in on. I think what excites me about Proverbs in general, but also specific to this conversation about using words, but just talking about wisdom in general, is that it's so accessible, not in our own power. Right, James. Wisdom is accessible. Yeah. God offers us yeah, yeah. wisdom. You know, James James talks about, you know, any who lack anyone who lacks wisdom yeah. to to ask of God and, and he will grant it. He'll mm-hmm. give it to them freely. And so I think that what excites me about wisdom in general is just here's what I mean. 
I guess to, to back up a little bit, I'm like one of those guys that in high school wanted to be one of the smart kids and worked really, really hard to try to, you know, hang with all of the straight A students. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And realized that no matter how hard I tried, I was, mm. I got some A's, but I was a B student. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but knowledge, you know, that, that idea of just like retaining a lot of information, mm. I realized that that just didn't come naturally to me. Like there were some people that could go out there and get straight A's and they were studying half as much as I was. And that always frustrated me, but wisdom is different. Mm-hmm. Wisdom is not something that you can get just by retaining a bunch of information. And or, it, or just by grit. Yeah. Which grit is important. Mm-hmm. So the thing that excites me for our people is to show them that, hey, this isn't for the smart kids in the room. This is for everyone. You can be a person, no matter your IQ. You can be a person that lives wisely. Mm-hmm. After on the on the heels of last week, it's maybe a little bit overly simplistic, but it's almost like it's for the hungry and the hum- and the humble. You know, if you're humble and you're hungry for something that's not natural to you, you know. I don't know. Like, do you think wisdom comes naturally to us? No. Otherwise, it doesn't seem like in the text that it's, it, it, yeah. it, it depicts it in that way. It I seems don't think like so, when yeah. I read the text, this is a gift that has to be given to you. Mm-hmm. What is it that it says in, I think it's, it's Proverbs 8 or 9, I can't remember, but that it's the knowledge of the Holy One brings insight. You know, we kind of talked about this, but it's like wisdom does not come through you unless it's first established in communion. With God, yeah, there is this. At least yeah. that's the that's the case that the Bible's making. Well, I'm not saying you agree. Well, no, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I do agree. James, James, again, going back to James, I think he's saying that. You know, it's like if hey, if you lack wisdom, what's his solution? Yeah. Well, not that you should try harder or that you should, you know, do this or that. It's like, well, what is James' solution to if you lack wisdom? It's like, well, go to God. Yeah. What was your experience reading a bunch of proverbs? I'm sure you read. You know, as many as you could, there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. I looked at this and I thought, oh my goodness. Cause I knew of course you were up to bat and I thought this dude's got a ton of text. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is not quiet no. on the issue of the tongue. Certainly. In words. And sometimes that's wonderful where the Bible speaks loudly and a re, you know, repetitively, but then sometimes it's kind of like overwhelming and it's kind of hard to know where to even start to, to wrap your mind around it and to think about even what to communicate. So what, what were your thoughts in terms of like, it's Tuesday afternoon, time stamp it. So it's like, you know, you haven't had a ton of time, but what are you thinking? Like what stands out to you about the idea and where do we need to go with it? That's a good question. So the first thing that I did, and I think I gave you a copy of it in my notes, was to go through as many of those different Bible verses, those different proof texts that talk about the tongue or the lips or the mouth or words, language, and to 
categorize each text as like as basically saying, "Hey, here's what the wise say and how they use their mouth versus the fool, how they, you know, the words that they speak." And so I came up with this long list, you know, I'll just give you some examples. So, you know, the the Bible says that the wise speak the truth versus the fool, you know, we just read it, the fool is deceitful, tells lies. The wise they're gentle with their words, whereas the fool stirs up anger. The wise speak words of healing. The fool speaks words of violence and harm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, you could just keep on going and making this long mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. of what the Bible has to say about the wise versus the fool. When you look at the the entirety of all of those texts, it can be overwhelming because I think instinctually what I found myself doing, and I think what those of us who are Christians often do, is to make a list of do's and don'ts Mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, the Bible has these 100 verses that say that I should be speaking this way Mm. and these 100 verses that say, don't Mm -hmm. speak this way. Mm -hmm. And so now I've got this massive to-do list. Mm -hmm. And then we try to staple them into our behavior. Yes. Yes. There's a certain, there's a certain part of me that says, well, no, that's helpful. We should, we should try to Mm. take a disciplined approach to our words and how we speak, but that's just the first layer. And I think that if we never move beyond that, we will never truly recover our humanity and be mm. wise with our words. And I, what I'm beginning to see here, if you had to sum it all up, here's what I think it is. The wise speak in a way that appropriately sees the humanity in themselves and in others. Mm. And by humanity, I mean the image of God. And so they are not speaking to people as gods. And they're also not speaking to people like they are animals. Mm. The wise speak humanely. We'll be back in just one moment. When do we, as human beings, turn on, like when does that awareness turn on in our brains of when words become powerful? Mm. And it's actually when we're very, very young mm-hmm. as children. And the way, that, the way that you can think about this is, well, let me ask you this question. Do you have any sort of recollection of the first time or one of the first times where you said, a bad word. Oh, yeah. Most people do. Oh, yeah. Most people do. And the reason why most people do is because that's a point where there's awareness that's turned on inside of our brains that says, words are powerful. Oh, it's and I can I can hurt people with the things that I say. Yeah. And so, on the playground, you'll have children that are using that are exploring this power with mm, their words. Yeah. And so they'll be going up to some kids and saying, you're my best friend forever. And then they're going up to the other kid and they're saying, you know, you're stupid. You're I hate stupid. You. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. And so on one hand, the fool is, is a person who minimizes the power and impact of words. 
And at the same time, they're, de- they're, they're deceived mm. because all of us have known from the time that we're kids that words have weight. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting. And I, I immediately went into the like, oh, words are powerful. They can really tear people down and, and they can stick, you know, there's a stickiness to words. And then I started to notice, wait, but the opposite is true as well. I thought of it of like, it's like almost like having magic power, you know, like imagine if we realized, if we, if we did realize the power in some sense, it brings a level of reluctancy and reservation and a heightened sense of of sensitivity to when you talk to someone, especially in a heated situation or a, you know, a charged emotional situation, but also too, like when you think about, like, if you think of it in, in terms of, I have the opportunity today to heal. You know, if you think of it almost like in a wondrous, enchanted, magical way, mm. like if you really understood mm-hmm. the, the, like how electric words can be, especially when they're rightly used, the right words at the right time, when there's a prudence behind it, it's like you could, you could, you can make someone soar. You can make someone, you know, fly, man. Like you can make someone go from, having a horrible day, horrible. I mean, you know, I think about that and I think like the kind of power on the other side of it that you have, Mm -hmm. it kind of gives you this sense of like, oh, wow. Like how, why isn't I, I don't think about that enough. You know, I, there's a sense in which we don't, we don't recognize that you have, yeah, you can really destroy and hurt, but you can also really heal and lift someone, which I found really fascinating. We actually, this morning, both thought of, the exact same C.S. Lewis quote yeah. from The Weight of Glory. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where where Lewis talks about using that power. Mm. And Lewis talks about in The Weight of Glory that, you know, hey, none of us have ever had a conversation with a mere mortal, mm-hmm. that we are all immortal, we're made in this image of God. And we are constantly going about and either building up that image of God in people or we're mm. tearing it down mm. and we're fashioning them into godlike beings he not gods but godlike beings is what he say what he says that that we'd be tempted to worship if the full glory of that individual was revealed or we are turning them through our actions and through our words we're turning them into monsters mm. and he says and I'll, I got this quote in front of me he says all day long in some degree we are helping each other to one or other of these destinations. Mm. And, you know, getting back to what you're saying, it's like that it is a superpower. Mm-hmm. It's not like a superpower. Like there is something spiritual, magical mm-hmm. about this. We are either building up people to reflect the image of God in a way that's beautiful and glorious, or we're tearing them down and, and turning each other into monsters. Yeah, it makes me think this is true to a certain extent, but I think we don't recognize how much, what probably what percentage of our words are actually being used flippantly like they're neutral. Hmm. And I just wonder if we brought, not to the level, I, I guess what my mind has been thinking is like, if we could bring a level, let me, if I could bring a level to my own self, a, a sense of awareness, not to where in the, to the place where I'm uptight and anxious, but to the level where I'm, I'm like recognizing, I, I remember reading years ago, I read this re- book on rhetoric and it was called words like loaded pistols. That was the title. And it was such a fitting understanding of like the power of language, 
you know, I was just trying to learn how to preach, still am. But it's like that idea is like, hey, your words are like guns, man. Like they have a, a real power to them. And do you, or do you want to be precise? And do you want to like really do a good work here with your words? Because you can. Okay. How do I go about that? And so one of the things I came across was just thinking through it almost, not backwards, but I was thinking about this almost like if you want to talk right, you got to listen right. And that's when I, it started to like, I feel like it started to unlock for me a little bit there where you almost have to go at this from a different angle. If you think you're going to first speak well in a way that lifts and heals, repairs, loves people, there's a work that's got to be going on before that, which is you need to be listening. Hmm. I mean, first and foremost to God, and then (laughs) second of all, to the person that's in front of you. Do you even understand what they're saying? It makes me think of this. I'll say, I'll, I'll, Quote, this is something that I thought, I just want to get your reaction to this. Joseph Pine, author of Experience Economy, he says, the experience of being understood versus interpreted is so compelling, you can charge admission. And that's why they call them therapists, (laughs) right? You could charge admission. Yes. When someone listens to you. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. then under, like to the point where they stick with their listening long enough to where they might be able to understand you and then speak in a way that you feel understood, that your experience is like, I'm, I'm being understood here. Like I'm being seen. He sees me. He hears me. That is, I know we're talking about listening now and mm-hmm. not speaking, mm-hmm. but it, to me, it's like you can't get to the speaking unless you get to the listening. And, and you see this actually, I think you, you kind of, this, there's this, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. That's Proverbs 13 two. This is Proverbs 18 two. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, <laughs> but only in expressing his opinions. Mm-hmm. So there is this idea that you you start to see come out in the text, which is this listening, like good speaking is predicated on good listening, holding back, being more curious, like curiosity and self-control are all in the, in your speaking come from your, like your curiosity and your self-control and your listening. Can you hang in longer? And, and I think it connects to what you were saying at the very beginning. I think, I think it's like, I remember a professor said to me one time, no one is boring. No one. Like, in other words, if you experience someone as boring, they've learned to be boring for a reason, and it's probably a sad one. And so, therefore, their boringness to you should almost cause you to, to I mean, I don't think it's probably good to say, hey, I'm experiencing you as boring. <laughs> but, but it, it does make me wonder, like, if we should be, like, when we experience people, like, if we knew, if we knew what's wrapped up in someone and, like, saw someone, as, as Lewis said, it's not a mere mortal. Yeah, it's like you might have to do some digging, but they're fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this person is utterly fascinating. You've never met the same person twice. Then it's like, if you can understand, if you can start to understand pieces of people, then you might understand how to answer. You might understand how to speak. And 
what words can be used and how little even you maybe need to say at that point once someone feels understood. I mean, how many times it's like, have you, I mean, you know, experience somebody who's really good at this and you walk away and you're like, I don't know what they said, but I felt heard. There's an author, Kate Murphy. She says, when someone listens to you, it can feel so much like love. Some people may not know the difference. That guides, I just think that, and you know, you could make this, and then this is communal, right? Like it, it, like there's an aspect in which we want to listen to God and it gets, I think of the truth that you're trying to communicate, which is like, okay, so how do we have an impact on our heart? What does God say about us? Because God, there is mm-hmm. someone who does know us mm-hmm. to our core, mm-hmm. knows our stories. Mm-hmm. No matter how much we might try to put on some sort of boring exterior yeah. or whatever, or whatever exterior we put on, God sees through it all. Yeah. And he sees our stories. And what words does he speak to us? Are they words of rejection and harshness and tearing down our humanity or are they words that encourage and build up and say you are mine mm. and you i love you mm. i th- it makes me think of the woman at the well and i like to think of her as like the first missionary it's like she runs to town remember mm-hmm but what does she say? What does she say about him? He's told me everything I've ever done. Yeah. He knew everything. To me, it's almost like she's saying, he understood me. I just think it's really interesting that that's what is depicted as the thing she's running through town telling all of her friends about, all of her neighbors. And therein lies some like thing powerful about what it looks like in your daily interaction. To then to first say, okay, can I just listen well and understand this person and start there? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the, I don't know. And I mean, I'm working this out in real time with you, but it's like, mm-hmm. maybe from there, it's like the ball rolls, you know, like you get, you'll get some momentum and traction and knowing what to say. So I do think in a lot of ways, it's almost like a little hack to just remember, like, start with listening. If you can show that, if you can, it, the, the more you can be curious and the more you can hang in there with that curiosity and not assume understanding right away. Thanks for listening to the Rest Roots and Renewal podcast, which is a production of the Oaks Community Church in Middletown, Ohio. For more information, visit us at www.theoakscommunitychurch.org You can also email us at info at theoakscommunitychurch.org.